Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to LPA Presents. I'm here with Shelly Schmalls, creative curator and producer at Von Schmalls Production and Talent Wrangler. The list goes on about what she's known for, and we're going to learn a little bit more about it today. How are things been for you? Oh, hey, um, hey, Matthew, thank you so much for having me on uh, your podcast. Things have been really great. It's an exciting time to, you know, be in the entertainment industry and, um, you know, working with people um, who have have a lot of ideas and productions going on. So things have been really, you know, in my world, things have been going great. I can't wait to fully answer it myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I've been able to get a list of questions we can ask you, and I hope that you can give some advice for anyone trying to get into the industry as well. You ready to begin? Absolutely. What inspired you to pursue a career in the entertainment industry, and how did you get your start? So I always loved entertainment. I remember from the time I was itty-bitty, like four years old, um, told my parents I wanted to be an actress. Obviously, that for me, like my parents, it was the last thing they wanted to hear. And um, I ended up, you know, kind of finding it later in life. I, you know, I got my education. I got to be in government. I went to school for um, first college student services. I wanted to work on a campus, um, college campus. And then I got my MBA. All the while, you know, doing things and gaining skills that would eventually helped me in the entertainment industry. Um, I was very involved. I think how I kind of swapped my, you know, desire for acting is that I was very, very over-involved in organizations. I was like a clubs and orgs geek, especially in college. Um, and that, you know, started my love for really putting events together and ultimately producing. Um, in 20, I want to say it was like 2005, I stepped into Relapse Theater here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and it's actually featured in a, in a great documentary, that, a comedic documentary that Rory Scovel does. Um, I forgot the name of the doc, but you can find it on YouTube. But it was basically this renegade improv comedy theater here in Atlanta, um, and I started doing improv and basically spent my 30s in a basement um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, just performing, um, finding out, you know, finding my own um, creative and comedic voice and meeting people. Um, I was lucky enough that in Atlanta, um, a lot of creatives found Relapse Theater. So we had not only comedians, but um, filmmakers and um, writers and, um, you know, we had great dancing there. And it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, you seem to have frozen up for a minute. People, and I did sketch comedy for a little bit. Oh, sorry. Uh, is this, am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay, great. Um, I was doing sketch comedy, and eventually I found burlesque, and burlesque is really where I found my voice and my creative medium. Um, and so for the past almost 15 years, I've used, um, you know, burlesque as my through line for my creative voice. That's cool. I actually wish we had more of the same scene around here. Uh, Morgantown is best known for Don Knotts, at least. But, oh, I love Don Knotts. <laughs> <laughs> but 
the the film industry in West Virginia is very small, if at all. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, how have you found? Have you found many people? Or are you still trying to find your film community there? Still trying to find the film community. Community. I was in touch with one director here, but he seems to have fallen off the face of the earth. Well, I hope that you find them. And um, I mean, there's definitely multiple ways. I think some, and you know, one of the first things I would do if you haven't done it already is just start kind of googling and seeing what production companies are in town. Um, I don't know if maybe there's any like mixers that. Um, you know, it, like, do you have an entertainment office? Um, no. Okay, yeah. Um, that always helps. Um, any colleges or universities that have a film program? We have WVU here in town, but I don't think they offer it. Gotcha. Um, well, uh, hopefully you'll you'll be able to find your your creatives, and definitely would love to. You know, forty eight hour film festival. I don't know if it gets to West Virginia, but that's a really great way to meet people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that several times. Can you tell us about a film project that you've particularly been proud of producing or emceeing? Sure. One of the um, most, you know, I think one of my proudest moments that I had that kind of combines my love for film and my love for burlesque is um, I did a collaboration with the Philadelphia Jewish Film and Media um, Organization back, I want to say it was 2021. And, you know, I was able to kind of like, um, you know, use my muscles as a film programmer and, um, you know, as a producer to be able to, you know, do a, um, a, a call for entries where we specifically had films that were um, themed to like Besharit, which is like love or a destiny in, um, you know, in Hebrew. And so it was a, um, we had about six or seven short films. And then as interstitials, we had a few burlesque performances, as well as some different comedians who were sharing monologues and some sang, some um, some did, you know, comedy and shared stories. And I also worked with my friend, Brandon Campbell, who's an amazing animator and graphic artist. Um, and he did like interstitials that um, kind of helped weave the whole thing together. So they were like a couple different arcs, um, mm-hmm. as well as my burlesque troupe um, or collective, Roxy Raz, um, with my fellow uh, co-producers, Royalty and Emily Rose, we actually hosted it. So I um, I was able to bring in the crew from uh, Georgia Production uh, Partnership um, and, you know, worked with uh, a bunch of people, or I'm sorry, Georgia Broadcasting Production um, with my friend Matthew Wolf, basically, who helped pull it all together. So it was just a really, it was a really awesome time where I did a project that I would, would have never seen myself do, you know, even five years before that. But because of COVID and because of, um, you know, the industry was just opening up in different ways, I was able to curate this event that, you know, I would love to be able to replicate that and do it again for other film festivals. It was really fun. It does sound like fun. Yeah. 
What advice would you give to up and coming entertainment professionals looking to break into the industry? Um, just start. That's the first thing is just do, um, you know, it depends on what part of the industry that you're looking to get into, mm-hmm. but volunteer as much as possible, especially if you're like me, like I never went to film school. So, you know, for me learning the industry, I really, it was a lot of watching. It was a lot of just showing up to events to meet people and network. Um, you know, I, I definitely throughout my years, I volunteered to be on set whether it was just to help out as an extra or just, you know, be a PA for a day in a French short films. I did that about like 15 years ago. And um, that was just really fun just to be able to kind of see behind the scenes and how, you know, what a um, film set's like. Um, I think that, you know, if you're a writer, just start writing, find people to collaborate with. You can find, you know, there's amazing online communities. Um, Twitter is definitely, you know, has a thriving online community, um, which is, which is fantastic. You know, go to Facebook groups. Um, that's, that's really important too. Like there's ways you can find your community without, you know, and I know for someone like you, Matthew, it feels like you're in an island all your, all your own. Um, but there are people to talk to. Um, you can find, you know, I would, I would say go to, um, uh, go, go and Google, you know, production companies in town and just, you know, just reach out to them, even if it's for an informational interview where you go in and, you know, have a conversation, see how they got to where they were, are, um, you know, things may not happen. They may not have an immediate opportunity, but they may have something a little bit down the line. And as for somebody who, is a creative that wants to do their own um, their own project. As long as you have an iPhone, you can do anything. And there's, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. I think that's how you grow, um, is and that's how you learn. So you know, just just starting in and just doing it. And so I took the hard route. I ended up um, licensing an animation studio. Uh huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know how well I'll be able to find animators around here, but without a producer to help out, I'm pretty much um, just pitching my project around. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, there are different, I mean, uh, we have a CIFA here in Atlanta, um, and I think it's maybe for the Southeast as well, but definitely like the animation um, you know, organizations, those are global. And so maybe it's not just sticking to one space, but maybe it's reaching out globally and seeing who else. Mm-hmm. But I can understand, like for something like, especially that's so, you know, there's a lot more um, financial layers to animation than there are for maybe just, uh, you know, doing a regular short with your friends. Yeah. How do you stay up to date on new trends and innovations in the industry? Uh, for me, I try and read a lot, whether it's, you know, going to the, um, oh, to like the industry trades, like um, Hollywood Reporter, um, you know, Variety. Um, I read a lot on the internet, you know. Um, I also sometimes just go to Reddit to see what's going on. Um where else do I go? Um, also, all the organizations. 
um, one of the organizations I'm involved in, Georgia Production Partnership, um, is very heavily involved in keeping the tax credits here in Georgia. So, you know, the tax credits is what keeps our industry working um, and thriving and having people and companies and studios want to open up shop here in Atlanta. So I try and stay on top of that a lot too. Um, Let's see, where else do I go? Um, you know, I talk to my friends and see what they're working on. Um, you know, I go to, like yesterday, I was at a networking event for a women in comedy film festival um, that was produced by Cinema Life. Uh, and, you know, just talking to other, you know, other professionals in the industry um, to figure out what's going on. I definitely need to look into uh, trying to connect through other ways. Uh, what are some of the ways that you that you use? One of them we won't talk about, but I, <laughs> I have um, I have been using Twitter to uh, keep in contact with certain individuals, try and get a feel for things. Mm -hmm. I don't do Facebook. Facebook has become too politicized. Mm -hmm. And my family can be quite <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think social media you have to really figure out what the best use of it is for you for me i found that especially as like an event producer instagram has been very helpful for me um just you know for for you know amplifying the events that i'm working on and also i use it as kind of a medium similar to podcasting but i use instagram live to talk to burlesque and um pinup models who are over 40 for like an, an older and bolder series that i do. uh so i mean that's that's really fun and it's great to be able to talk to people uh, i mean just like this just from anywhere but i use that's that's more how i use my social media i try not to use it as a platform for like my personal life as much right, I have a right. page where like i'll post my dog but um i try and use my my social platforms more for you know my projects and for me it's more about like where i'm going or what i'm doing and what i'm wearing those are those are what i like to talk about on my socials surprisingly the three communities that i'm part of are interconnected with each other the writing community the screenwriting uh community and twitch yeah um and that's really cool and it's like what i found is that um they definitely overlap a lot but there's also you know some they each have their own like individual verticals too right um, so it, you know you may have people that you're connected to on all three but um you also find you know that each has its own individual way of sharing information yeah um, i would i would definitely implore you to be on linkedin if you're not in linkedin already I need to update my LinkedIn. That's super important from every single person I've talked to. LinkedIn is, you know, from a professional standpoint, that's really where you want to be. That's where you want to be. You know, you present your, you know, I definitely have a different voice on LinkedIn than I do on my Instagram, you know. So, um, uh, so that kind of like it's LinkedIn where you can garnish that higher profile of attention. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about a mentor or role model who has significantly impacted your career? Sure. Um, I mean, I've just been so lucky to have, you know, to really have mentors 
throughout my throughout my life that have helped me. I mean, I look at um, you know, like from the time I was in my youth group, I had mentors who um, helped me get scholarships for um, you know for summer camp when I wouldn't have been able to afford it. That helped me go to you know leadership camps. Um, I had a mentor in college that really like I had wanted to be a lawyer. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine me being a lawyer today, um, but that was really my goal. And my senior year, uh, my fall semester senior year, I had done this internship that I just hated. I was like, why am I here? And it was my um, career counselor who said to me, well, you're in all this stuff in school. Why don't you go to, you know, why don't you get into college student services? Um, and that totally changed my life. Um, I, I would like to say that, you know, um, Bob Wood, who is the um, director of Relapse Theater, definitely is a mentor for me. He really just kind of like helped me break down those barriers of like anything is possible. Um, and so that has been, you know, that was just like mind blowing to me. Like, wait a second, I could just do stuff. I didn't really know that I could. Um, I had grown up in such a, you know, a community that was like just like a stickler for like, you know, these are the bounds that you play in and these are, you know, the things you must do in life. And just to be like, you know, I can just do my own thing. And, um, you know, in improv and, and the art of improv really taught me that. Um, LaRonda Sutton and Robin Watson, um, both, you know, um, LaRonda is currently the president of um, GPP, Georgia Production Partnership. Um, she's a past president of Women in Film and Television. And Robin Watson, who is the um, current president of Women in Film and Television Atlanta, has definitely, both of those women have been tremendously inspiring to me um, the past few years. April Kemp as well, who is a freelance, um, you know, freelance producer, um, community connector. She's been really important to me um, and, and my growth as an individual. I find that I find like inspiration and mentorship in so many people um, throughout my career that have helped me, you know, connect me to the next um, stage of my life that have also been able to, you know, give me those words of wisdom in a time that I needed them. Wow. Uh, I actually was encouraged by uh, a teacher in Texas to continue writing screenplays and try and get them produced. Yeah. So I actually hope I can uh, do the same for other people in the future. Definitely. And all the expertise that you're, you know, gaining right now will definitely be, be helpful for that. <laughs> So what mistakes do aspiring producers or filmmakers make when trying to get their projects off the ground? Um, I don't think they talk about them enough. I think that if you're somebody who is working on a project, just keep, you know, keep conversations going, talk about it to new people that you meet. Um, you never know who's got a connection to something that might help you. Like the more you talk about your passions, it's kind of like writing it down too. The more you write down your goals, like there's like you're you know 85% more um, more likely to meet those goals, um, and I think that you know it's um, just those little steps. Ask people for help. I think that 
like, especially when you're, you know, it's easy to be shy and be, and be humble and not ask because you want to be able to do everything yourself, but that's just not possible. Um, find, you know, find like-minded people and just volunteer for each other. Say, you know, I would love to be able to help you on your project. Here's what I need for mine. Like, how can I help you? Um, those transactional things, um, follow up. Definitely, if you you know um, if you have people that you've reached out to, follow up as much as you can. Don't be ashamed of it. Until they tell you no, it's not a no. Um, a lot of people may um, you know just might be busy. It might not be their top priority. Um, people are balancing so many things. You never know who, what's happening on the other end of a phone call or on the other end of an email. But if you're appropriately persistent. I think that, you know, they're um, going to, you know, people will, will reply. Um, so I think that that's important. Um, and make sure that if you have a project, please have, you know, a way to find you. I know so many filmmakers, because um, one of the roles I had at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival was actually seeking out films for our festival. Um, and I can't even tell you how many filmmakers I would find their project in a, um, in a catalog, would try and find their email address or the film or something like that, because, you know, maybe the festival didn't have print sources out. So many films I, I wasn't able to find or connect with the person because they didn't have just the most simple Facebook page for your film that has your email address. That suffices. That's searchable. You don't even have to have your own web page. All you need is the title of the film, a couple of stills, the synopsis you know, whatever information you have on it, but make sure you've got a contact email or that you're checking it when somebody DMs you. Um, I think that's a huge mistake people make that they're not findable. Um, don't let funding get in the way. There's always something, there's always a way to do it cheaper, find somebody who might be able to lend it for free. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, your first couple projects don't have to be perfect. They just need to get you out there and started because you're, I mean, I'm constantly learning from things that I do. So what I, the events that I did, you know, even like, for, like 10 years ago, don't look the same as the events I produce today because I've learned, you know, and my, my contacts have gotten better. Um, I've gotten more confident. So you just need to put yourself out there and try. <laughs> Yeah, my biggest fear hasn't been people saying no. I expect people to say no. It's them telling me that I'm not worth their time. Yeah, that's not that's not cool at all. I think that that's not, yeah, that's so discouraging. And I'm sorry that you had to hear that from people because you are absolutely worth people's time. And, um, you know, whoever is saying that to you, they don't want to be people you want to work with anyway. You know, you uh, want you want to work with people who believe in you and your vision and anybody like that doesn't matter who they are. Like I have a, you know, I, I have certain qualities I look for when I look for collaborators mm -hmm. and somebody who treats people like that. I don't care who they are. I won't work with them. Yeah. How do you prioritize and manage your various commitments to the film festival Alliance, women in film and television, Atlanta and other organizations? Um, I'm very fortunate that um, a lot of these organizations, you know, just like can 
um, collaborate and work together for things. So sometimes I, I'll start emails from my different from my different um, email accounts saying, you know, copying the same group of people, but like I've got my WIFTA hat on or I've got my GPP hat on. So they know what, um, you know, perspective I'm speaking from. Mm-hmm. Um, and an example of that is this past Thursday, we had a um, Georgia Production Partnership Mixer in celebration of um, Women's History Month. So, you know, WIFTA was a partner for that. So I was able to kind of combine both, but that's not always the case. Um, I just, you know, a lot of it is just knowing like what's coming up and what maybe is a lighter lift, Um, how, you know, having committees definitely bringing in people because a reason why people join these organizations is to network and build up their own skill base and their own, you know, um, ideas and, um, you know, opportunities. So being able to delegate and, um, you know, sharing responsibilities um, has definitely helped. A lot of times I'm more project managing than I am, you know, the one who's actually doing everything. So that definitely helps. Um, and yeah, um, and just knowing like what, you know, um, what time of year it is and what, you know, like right now we're in membership month for month for GPP, but knowing that like I've got like programming tracks for WIFTA starting um, in, you know, April. So it, um, it's being able to time things out appropriately as well. And then for something like Film Festival Alliance, that's a national board. So it's a little bit of a different lift. Um, those are more or less like Zoom meetings um, every month and working on committees through Zoom. So that's a little bit more manageable because we can kind of um, schedule those a- as we need to. How many different programs are you a member of? <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm a member of well, I'm a member of a bunch of different organizations, um, but I'm, um, you know, I'm on the boards of Women in Film and Television, where I'm the VP of Programming, the Film Festival Alliance, where I'm on the board of directors there, and um, Women and um, Georgia Production Partnership, where I'm the membership chair. So also my, I've, you know, for my own good, um, I've also, you know, kind of given myself or different roles in each organization so they don't really overlap and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. so muddy so i know like gpp is more is more membership and um whereas uh women in film is uh, programming and then i've got uh, memberships i'm a part of um film impact georgia which is an amazing organization for indie filmmakers here where i'm just a member there and um, I've been a part of um, Dance ATL the past two years as a participant and then a curator in their AM Collab um, partnership. But also I said, I'm a huge like clubs and orgs geek. I love, you know, that's where I get my energy from. Um, and so I just love, you know, being with people. Sounds like it might be um, draining. Uh, yeah, it can be. Um, but I also make sure to take care of myself too. I definitely have my weekends where all I do is, you know, I hang out, you know, I hang at home, like do my laundry, watch the office and, you know, hang out with my pup. (laughs) So I, I take the time. I I've learned that I need to take the time for myself too, to make it all manageable. Okay. 
Now, you're a consistent advocate for accessibility and inclusivity in your work as a burlesque producer and performer. Can you talk about some steps you take to ensure your shows and productions are welcoming and accommodating for performers and audiences of all backgrounds and abilities? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I'm very proud of our burlesque community in Atlanta who, you know, who all share these values. It's not just me, but it is Atlanta as a collective. Um, all of these, you know, all of these things are extremely important. Um, from a um, inclusivity and, um, I guess, you know, casting call um, uh, uh, perspective, we, um, you know, I, I followed, you know, my fellow, you know, my fellow colleagues where in our call for performers, we always say, you know, preference for, you um, um, Black, Indigenous, Latino um, performers, uh, performers who are neurodivergent, disabled. Like we want to see diversity on stage, both um, both in ethnicity and culturally, um, and you know body types. Um, and so when casting, we you know we make it a point, and I, I definitely make it a point to reach out to you know, different people in different communities to make sure that happens. Um, we have um, we have productions in town and I haven't taken some of these steps, but I, I hope to um, in the next, you know, in the next little bit from an, my upcoming productions, but we have productions we'll make sure to have a, um, oh, a sign language interpreter um, <laughs> on stage um, during, you know, emceeing or during some of the performances. I think that's phenomenal. Um, making sure that our venues are also inclusive for performers, um, you know, whether it's uh, wheelchair accessible, um, you know, so it, and admittedly some venues, it's not as easy as others, but making sure that those accommodations can be met. Um, and, you know, so that's, I think that's the, you know, really the, the key two pieces is making sure that your casting calls are getting a wide enough, um, you know, a wide enough um, spread of people or call out. And then making sure on the production side that you kind of check off all these, um, all these markers to make sure that you're kind of meeting the requirements of making sure that it's accessible, um, you know, by, by sight, by sound, by um, mobility. Coming from the disability uh, sector personally, it's good to see more representation on stage. Yeah, um, I see, like, well, same for me as an audience member to see that. Um, I, I can imagine that, you know, it's it's that that feeling of like seeing yourself, you know, or seeing you reflected. So that's that's awesome. Now, you've been involved in the Atlanta film community for several years now. Can you talk about some of the most exciting and rewarding projects you have worked on and what you've learned from these experiences? Sure. So I think my, you know, my perspective, I'll come from it more as the um, as like a film programmer specifically with um, in two instances. Um, with um, the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. For me, what was rewarding was being able to work with filmmakers 
and especially ones who are world premiering with our festival and really, you know, talking to them about why AJFF was important, you know, as an important festival for them to premiere at. Um, and then working with them on getting distribution and talking um, with them about, um, you know, the different ways of distribution, how you can, you know, introducing them to potential collaborators or, or partners with that. That was super rewarding. And then with um, Women in Film and Television this year, we had a grant, a finishing grant with Moonshine Post-Production. And so they are a champion of um, independent film and have, you know, helped so many projects. Um, and this year we were able to grant um you know, grants uh, finishing a $20,000 finishing grant to a project, to a female-led project here in Atlanta. Um, and that was phenomenal. And so to see like where these projects, you know, these are projects in motion and to see where they can go now that they've had like this extra boost of um, resources. Um, and then also following our filmmakers through, you know, through their journey, seeing filmmakers who start off making shorts and then seeing them making features and getting those features into other festivals. Um, one other thing that I'm proud of that WIFTA does is we um, give scholarships to um, local universities and colleges. So this past WIFTA gala, we gave out, I want to say like five different, no, three different scholarships. Um, to, you know, students to help them further their careers. So those are really important for me see, to see happen. How many, different, how many different competitions are there in your area? Um, competitions, I mean, we, there's always, I mean, we have so many, like, is that what you mean, like film festivals or just like... Yeah. Oh, Atlanta has so many film festivals. Um, there's probably like one every other week. We have um, the so there's the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival, the um, Atlanta both the Atlanta film or all three Atlanta Film Festival, Bronze Lens Film Festival, and Out on Film Festival. All are Oscar qualifying. So that's really important. We have Cinema Life um, Collective, and Cinema Life runs like. I want to say like six different film fest, mini film festivals throughout the year, both here in Atlanta and they have one up in Chicago. Um, DeKalb School of Entertainment, Tuesday night, they have um, a film festival. Morehouse has an amazing um, film festival for, um, oh, it's the Morehouse International, um, so not civil rights. Um, oh, it, it's for civil rights and, um, you know, um, global, global issues, like global topics festival, which is phenomenal. The name is escaping me. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, there, there's film festivals, you know, everywhere, the Greek film festival, so many genre film festivals, Dragon Con. So that's another thing I've been proud to involve and to, I'm not sure if you know about Dragon Con, but it's, I'm familiar with it. Okay. Yeah. So, um dragon con and it hasn't come back i'm not sure when it's coming back i think it's like because of the pandemic it um they haven't had it but i mean it was the hugest sci-fi film festival um in the southeast um and that was you know um seeing that was great i'm trying to think of what else um there's 
um, Chinese Film Festival. Um, where what am I also my there there's just so many there's so many independent ones it's yeah, there's yeah there there's just so many. <laughs> I'd actually like to attend one again. The first one I ever attended was a Locomotion International Film Festival in Salt Lake City. Oh, nice. Yeah, film festivals. I definitely encourage any everybody to go to a film festival. It's the greatest way and volunteer for film festivals. It is the absolute greatest way that you can get, you know, be in front of people, see amazing content that you may not see anywhere else, network with other, you know, other like-minded professionals. Um, there's always, you know, b between the screenings, the, um, you know, either salons or Q and A's, the parties, it's, it, they're just so much fun. And to be involved as a volunteer, um, I think it's, you know, that's a great opportunity as well to get the inside track um, to meet decision makers, really. I haven't been able to go to a con since 2012. Oh, what was the last con you went to? I don't know if I should say or not. It's okay. You don't have to. Okay. It, it's not one of your traditional cons. It uh, is for a certain community that I'd probably be best not talking about on podcast. <laughs> sure. No worries. Um, but but the good thing about cons and festivals are that you're with your community. You know, it's it. There's so much fun, and it's something to look forward to. Now, you've been recognized as a leader and innovator in Atlanta's burlesque scene. How do you approach pushing boundaries and experimenting with new ideas while still honoring the conventions and traditions of the art form? Um, for me, it's all about you know like bringing how can i bring new eyes on you know the traditional arts of burlesque or collaborate with individuals i think um you know some of so i'm working on a project right now that i'm launching in november it's called film strip fest and it's a mini short film and burlesque festival that i'm doing here and so that's the kind of ways that I, you know, I, I look to, um, you know, still honor burlesque, but be able to collaborate with different art, you know, artistic mediums. Um, we're going, it's going to, going to be a two-day festival that each show will be half short film, half burlesque. So there'll be two shows on Saturday. On Sunday, we'll have a, um, a curated piece that will be a curated short film as well as a um, curated, a curated perform like routine um, that will you know that will sync together, um, and so I think it's just you know thinking differently. I've seen um, beautiful um, routines that have that integrate film as a projection as part of the of the routine. Obviously, like live music and dance is is another. Um, there's been um yeah just i think it's just kind of thinking out of the box mm. um, and collaborating with people in a new way I'm sorry oh that's okay <laughs> now i've heard about the burlesque scene before 
when I was living in Texas, but I've never been sure of what exactly it is. So burlesque is the art of the teas. Um, it really has a truth in the 1800s, the mid 1800s with Lydia Thompson. And I believe it's her um, beautiful blondes or dancing blondes. Um, I have to look at Wikipedia. Um, but it's, you know, burlesque really started off as social commentary. Um, it started off as a way to, you know, um, kind of as a way to, um, you know, have some impact, like the lower class, really lower classes have um, have a response back to what was happening in the upper crust of society as the, um, and, and so there it started as a risque art form. Um, and as the decades kind of leaned more towards in the 19th century and the dancing became more, you know, risque was at first, risque was like showing an ankle. Risque became then showing your legs. And then, um, you know, you came to your, um, you know, your, um, your really like the, the first wave of burlesque, um, like Little Egypt and, um, oh, and Josephine Baker and, um, you know, women who were, who were dancing and, and revealing more skin. Um, those were, um, you know, those were some of the, the top talent back in the day. And um, it's, you know, it's amazing that, um, yeah, just to see how far it's come. And now, you know, you look at Dita Von Teese, who really kind of like um, brought back the golden age of burlesque in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, a resurgence of, you know, Betty Page um, and that, you know, the, the era from the 50s, 60s, how that translates today is that we've got like neo burlesque, we've got um, geek burlesque, um, horror burlesque, um, you know, people, it's not just about the teasing the audience, it's really similar to film. And that's why I think I love both art forms and storytelling. You have your, uh, you have your ability to be your individual narrator and share, you know, whatever, whatever unique perspective and unique um, idea you have to an audience. Sometimes it's very raw and very personal. Other times it's just a lot of fun and it's, you know, really energetic. And, you know, it's, it's people will theme sometimes their acts. Some people are just speaking from the heart. It just is just so individualistic and it's, to me, it's just beautiful. Um, and, you know, there's also the um, the pageantry of it all, whether it's the makeup and the costumes, but it can also be really simplistic. So burlesque is, you know, very, it's um, very stylized uniquely to the individual who's performing. I'm definitely going to have to take it a show whenever I come down to Atlanta again. Yes, absolutely. You should come down for our show in June. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, given my situation, that's not possible <laughs> that soon. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you there. <laughs> <laughs> What's next in your career and what are you look, most looking forward to in the coming years? I'm really like what's next for me is I'm just seeing what the universe has to offer. I'm just so excited about um, really the, the rise of the community connections. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's really where I want to be is working um, in the entertainment industry within the community, working on productions, um, 
you know, working within burlesque community, the burlesque community as well, in the same way. I'd really like to see where Film Strip Fest goes in the next couple of years. Um, I love working with film festivals. Um, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I know what makes me happy and I know what I'm good at. And so I'd like to really kind of, um, you know, have those, make both of those things happen for me. So, you know, I can't really say what the path is because I, you know, I've learned that anytime I try and put out like a five-year plan, it never happens. (laughs) You know, life takes you in various directions. So just kind of living in the moment and seeing what, you know, what opportunities come my way. Seems to be the way it goes anymore, isn't it? Definitely. Well, thank you for joining us today. It was great having you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Matthew. This was, I really enjoyed it. If you'd like to know more about the film industry, catch us every month on the first or second as we dive into interviews with everyone from directors and actors to screenwriters and crew members. We'll keep you posted on Twitter on who might be next on our podcast and keep an eye out for our website when it's finished. If you have any questions for upcoming guests, leave a comment on our Twitter page. Until then, stay tuned.